welcome back to Baking with Booze, the podcast where two friends talk about a few of the things they love most, food and the paranormal. We are your hosts, Bree and Katie, and each week we will serve you up a tasty treat and terrifying tale. So grab a blanket and a snack as we share with you what we've dug up. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 41 of Baking with Booze. Hopefully you've had a good week. Um, Bree... I know, it's our second episode of the night, as it will be, since we're doing doubles for the next couple weeks, because busy as fuck, wedding, blah, 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 you've heard it all before. So, um, anything that you would like to share that we did not share on the last episode? Any information that I withheld from you? Yes, as you tend to do, because you be sneaky sometimes. Um, gosh, no, not really. I had my last fitting fitting for my clothes and whatnot last weekend um yeah so like um chris's best person is a seamstress um seams person yeah taylor taylor there we go there we go that's probably the best way to describe them um but they're helping us make our clothes and uh we were off on different pages on what we were doing with this so ultimately they and i went to joanne so that way we could be completely on the same page of what we were doing and they are finishing up my stuff while chris and i are finishing up his stuff i am privy to what he's wearing he is not privy to what i'm wearing as it should be as yes that's what yeah there's we aren't observing very many traditions but that would be one of them yes so yeah uh just kind of finishing and wrapping up the last of the wedding it's just you know as we're getting down to those nitpicky details those are the things that i find stressful it's like shit i didn't think about that shit i didn't think about that shit i didn't fuck So I just unfortunately found out that we are going to have to uh, bring everything in the morning of, and we are getting married at 11 o'clock in the morning. Uh, So I'm pretty bummed about that. I thought that we would be able to do that stuff like you know like after there's a wedding the day before ours Mm -hmm. and i was hoping that we would be able to once they clear out that we would be able to sneak in like little mice in the night and set up our stuff so that way it was ready to go in the morning Mm -hmm. but apparently this is not so and chris is acting very rational about it and i'm not so i don't appreciate his uh level-headedness right now and i would like him to emote with me about my feels on this situation and he is not giving me one ounce of that so <laughs> so you're doing great i have irrational complaints i mean they're not really that irrational it's something that the venue the coordinator what have you should have kind of gone over more finely with you um knowing that you were staying there the night before to make it more convenient for not having to rush to like get there in the morning and you know right. all this stuff it's it's just something that uh a heads up uh more than like two weeks before your wedding would have been appreciated more than me having to ask correct would, would that, have yes. been appreciated yeah so we're gonna do what we can and we're gonna try and get a couple more little mice uh, to try and uh you know, get there and give you a helping hand. That way you can focus more on just getting ready and relaxing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it'll be it it will go off without a hitch though. Yes. And at the end of the day, you are with the person that you want to be with, doing the thing you want to be doing. There will be much love. Correct. So. But we are down to the nitpicky anxiety details. Anxiety. Yes. Yes, we are. All right. Well. Do you hear the rain? You can hear the rain. Yes, it is raining. The wind. Do you want me to close the window? No, it's fine. Okay. Ambiance. All right. Well, you get a little bit of ambiance, as you said. And it sounds like it's going to rain a little bit harder. All right. Well, um, I don't really have anything else to add to, uh, you know, how my week was. My week was okay. Today was busy. Tomorrow's going to be busy. Oh, there it goes. Whoop, babies. Yeah, my week was okay. I mean, I don't really have much to complain about. I'm a little busy. You know, that can be a little tiring sometimes, but you'll have that. It's all for a good cause. So, um, I guess without further ado, might as well just go ahead and jump into uh, the rest of the episode. Yes. You uh, made our dish for us this week, so why don't you go ahead and tell us about it? Yes, I made pumpkin pasta. Very interesting. Yes, Katie told me to find something to go with crab cakes, and she told me that she was making crab cakes and potatoes, and yeah, originally you told me crab cakes and potatoes. Oh shit, I forgot about that. You know what, we've even talked, you even mentioned potatoes earlier, and it still didn't fucking click in my, dude, you could have made potatoes, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I, I was looking online to see like, okay, good side dishes for crab, and 50% of them were potato. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm picking something different, I guess. And because, like, a lot of the other ones were like a salad or like things we've already done. And I'm like, no. So I picked uh, pumpkin pasta. Okay, well, I apologize that I didn't even realize that I was. I, I forgot that I said I was going to do potatoes. So my bad. Um, however, what you did end up picking. <laughs> tasted very good. Thank you. Very, I don't know, I didn't, I guess I didn't know what I expected, but. Yeah, it was different. It was different. Uh, it's like a, a pumpkin cream sauce, so it has like cream cheese in it. Um, uh, the original recipe is uh, tailored towards vegans, um, but it definitely gives that option. You know, some of the vegan recipes are like you go way down the line how to make your own cream cheese and that is not the case with this one it's like vegan cream cheese or regular cream cheese you know um so that's it ain't one of those recipes um so you can make it vegan if you want to or you don't have to i didn't i used what i had on hand um except for the block of cream cheese because i didn't want to get into chris's he has a bagel every morning with cream cheese and I did not want to get into his cream cheese stash. You're so kind. Yes. So, I've been like, hey, babe, you need to get more cream cheese tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> but it was pretty simple. Um, the only, probably the worst thing about it was, like, you did have to make a roux. And then you had to sit with the milk for, like, eight to ten minutes, constant stir. Like, this is one of those dishes that you just can't walk away from until the sauce is done. Worth it. Yes. But it's one of those that you have to set aside a solid 15 minutes to be 
ever present with your sauce because I'm gonna tell you right now if you let it go for any amount of time it'll bubble and then it'll just taste off so pretty easy though I didn't really add anything extra to it you know a little bit of parsley for garnish but that mm -hmm. was about it uh, it does have a little bit of cinnamon a little bit of nutmeg and cayenne of all things your favorite yes I thought it was kind of interesting how like when you were eating it it did have a little bit of that sweet of like the cinnamon and nutmeg but it wasn't enough for you to be like DSL yeah yeah we were talking about like the different ways smell wise and taste wise like how it hit hit us you know yeah. which one we experienced the most of or first or whatever mm -hmm. uh, I think it was it was slightly different for us but I definitely smelled the sweetness first mm -hmm. I, well I guess really that's all I could smell was the sweetness and then like the point up to like spooning it into my mouth I could still smell the sweetness you can get it in there and I taste a little bit of sweetness yeah but then it immediately goes into you're just tasting like the cream and then you can taste the savory aspects yeah. of it so it was very a very fluid t taste yeah like pumpkin itself okay. is a little bit more sweeter just on its own mm -hmm. like I'll cut it up and put it into stews all the time mm -hmm. so it does have a little bit more it's kind of like if you've obviously you have but like butternut squash it's very similar in taste mm -hmm. um not in texture though but very similar in taste but yeah the cinnamon nutmeg sort of just like enhanced that sweetness a touch but then it also had um parmesan cheese in there it simple dish but a lot of different flavors coming around mm -hmm. that would I think that would be a really great dish, actually, to incorporate for, like, Thanksgiving. Yeah, I was thinking the same, like a, you know, Friendsgiving, Thanksgiving thing, just as a side dish. Yeah, I mean, if you're tired of regular butter noodles, which I don't know how common that is. It's probably Midwest. That's what I was thinking, is it's a very Midwestern thing. Yeah. Plain-ass fucking egg noodles with butter and salt and pepper on them. I don't give a fuck about them. I, to me, it's, like, it's wasted carbs. Yeah. Like, I I don't even think putting a good gravy on them helps them. Mm -hmm. I can do without, but I would definitely do, like, the pumpkin pasta in place of that. Yeah, I think it would be an interesting way to incorporate more pumpkin into your Thanksgiving because a lot of people only do it for pies, and it is way more diverse yeah. than just a pie. Yeah, definitely. Well, um... So, did you do pumpkin? Is that your ingredient? I was going to say, we can just segue into how diverse this vegetable, technically a fruit, is. Ah, fruit that I like. Yeah. Okay, so pumpkins are actually low in sugar and carbs, even though they taste a little bit more sweet. It won't cause a, like a significant spike in your insulin or, neuro, or neurotransmitters. And they also help with, like, you know, not interrupting the microbes uh, like yeast or bacteria. So it's a good choice for your heart, your waistline. Uh, I want to say Canada, and that's not what it is. Candida, like your, like yeast. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Overgrowth, SIBO, depression, anxiety, insulin resistance, sugar addiction, adrenal fatigue, compulsive eating, and type 2 diabetes. It is keto-friendly. Uh, it's not a good source of fat, but the low sugar and carb contact um, make it a 
good one for um, if you are um, taking part of keto. You can combine it with like higher fat foods like coconut cream, oil, milk, pecans, heavy cream, butter, cream cheese. It has beta carotene, obviously, because of its vibrant orange color. Um, beta carotene, as we've talked about before, is an antioxidant. Prevents the cancer. The cancer. The cancer. Heart disease and premature aging. It has vitamin A, uh, which is good for your immune system. Vision like we were talking about with carrots and apples. Mm -hmm. It's in that family too. And supporting normal cell growth. It has vitamin C, high in potassium. So that's for your heart and kidney functions. Um, also good for your blood pressure and proper fluid balance. It has iron, folate, choline, um, which is for like cell membranes, inflammation, and homocysteine buildup. Pumpkins also contain calcium, magnesium, phosphorus, copper, zinc, vitamins E and K, riboflavin, thiamine, B6, manganese, and pantothenic acid. Uh, also higher in fiber and it's good for gut flora and digestive health. So good to know with the upcoming cold and flu seasons, have some pumpkin on hand. It is good for you know, helping you recover from tummy bugs. Also, your dogs really like pumpkin. I just need y'all to know that. Yes. And it's good for them. <laughs> your kitty cats like pumpkin, too. Yes. At least my kitty cats do. Mine obviously do. Well, at least Banks, as I was telling you. Yes, I gave him a piece of my pasta. Yes. Okay, so a couple of pumpkin fun facts. Pumpkins are actually gourds. Other members of the gourd family are cucumbers, watermelon, zucchini, and honeydew melons. Cucumbers? Yeah, wild. Juicy boys. Pumpkins are very old. They've been around for the last 5,000 years. Uh, archaeolo well, archaeological evidence suggests that pumpkins have been cultivated since uh, 3500 BC, making it one of the oldest known crops in the Western Hemisphere. Oh. Morton, Illinois is the self-proclaimed pumpkin capital of the world. This is also the home of the Libby Company, which is the pumpkin powerhouse. If you live in the United States, you know that. I don't know how popular they are outside of the U.S. But if they're saying the world, I assume that they're at least semi-popular. Mm -hmm. So the Irish are the ones who started pumpkin carving, quote-unquote. Yeah, that's right. Um, the people of Ireland used to carve turnips to ward off evil spirits, and when Irish immigrants came to the U.S., they found that it was a lot easier to carve a pumpkin. <laughs> Sorry. I just... Fuck these turnips! <laughs> As it should be, because they're nasty. Hence why they got carved. Instead of... I mean, true, food. but just fucking... Just, just throw them in the compost, <laughs> friends. <laughs> So the Irish immigrants would uh, carve up pumpkins instead of the turnips. So that's how that got started here. Native Americans would take strips of pumpkins, flatten them, and dry them into mats. So you would have a rug of pumpkin in your home. Wouldn't that, like, decay? Not if you dried it out in the sun. It would become almost like a... Uh, Leather. Like a re like leathery, reedy sort of texture. Huh. 
Uh, pumpkins are used as medicine. The oil from pumpkins can be used to treat bladder irritation, kidney infection, and also symptoms of benign prosthetic hyperplasia. The oil and seeds can also are also still used today in modern medicine, so I feel that this was um, timely in the whole UTI situation of last week. Should have had me some fucking pumpkin. The great UTI debacle of 2021. Yes, so if you are prone to yeast problems or, you know, bladder problems, add some more pumpkin to your diet. And my last one, um, you can actually make beer from pumpkins. Say no more. (laughs) Uh, It actually, it's like trendy now, but it actually has a long history. The Pilgrims Sorry. Created pumpkin beer hundreds of years ago, mostly because of its abundant availability over here. Pumpkins uh, served as an easily fermentable sugar for beer making needs. Also, I saw a recipe for pumpkin mead, and that will be happening sometime in the next two to three years at my house. Sweet. Yes. And those are my fun facts for you. Well, thanks. I know a lot more about pumpkins now. Yeah. Also, their seeds are tasty. Yes. Are you mm. sweet or savory when it comes to pumpkin seeds? Savory. I am both. I make them both ways. I will make one with like a little bit of salt and Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire sauce. Go ahead and pull out some of that Worcestershire sauce from the fridge. Uh, that's how I'm saying it now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I heard that on uh, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives from Guy Fieri. Oh, Because um, he didn't come up with it. One of the people that he was talking to, he called it Wash Your Sister Sauce. And I'm like, well, that's how it is now. It's probably the most accurate representation of how to properly pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody just takes their best fucking guess at this point. Yes. And maybe it's like... Depends on where you go, too, you know. Right. Who knows? I wonder how much it differs. By state? By county? By town? Now it will will forever be known as the wash your sister sauce in my home. (laughs) Which also went into the crab cakes and the the sauce. Oh, nice. From, quote unquote, last week. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, so. Ah. I love that. I love that stuff. I will, uh, to me, that's like garlic... And, like, onion powder type stuff. Mm -hmm. I love putting that stuff in anything, trying to season meat, especially. Okay. I like wash your sister's sauce. (laughs) Also, I make them as uh, cinnamon sugar, the pumpkin seeds. I would like to experiment with that one a little bit more, but that's just the easiest to coat them. Well, thank you. Again. You're welcome. Mm, More ways to try pumpkin. I think as far as the seeds, um... I, I, you know what? I've never actually made them. I've only ever ha- had them from, like, stores or other people. Mm. Um, I, I want to say it was, like, seasoning salt was kind of, like, the biggest thing that went on the ones that I've had. The main yeah. seasoning, anyway. You can do that. I've found that, um, for me at least, a lot of the flavor happens, like, I will soak them overnight in water. So, like, the savory ones, I'll soak them in salt water overnight and then the um the sweet ones all do sugar water 
I don't know why. It just, it seems to help. It's almost like marinating, like, your tofu or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but that really helped boost the flavor. It's like a brine. Yeah, yeah. So then when I was going to roast them the next day, I put on, like, my washer sister sauce and all the seasonings. Um, and then when the sweet ones came out, I, um, I added a little bit of oil to them and then put them in, um, like, I put the oil on before I roasted them so that it'd stick a little bit better and then put them in a bag with the cinnamon sugar and shook them up like shake and bake. Hmm. I, I, I shouldn't say savory only. I've never tried sweet ones. I didn't really know sweet ones were a thing. Mm-hmm. I just have a strong, a strong feeling I would probably prefer the savory ones. However, if you do make some sweet ones, I'd be more than happy to try them. Yeah, I usually do every year. You know, they're only good for so long. Yeah. Um, I don't know how the stores get them that way. I assume some sort of preservative or some shit. But, um, yeah, they only last for a certain amount of time. Yeah. Alrighty. Enough of pumpkins. We, today, are going to talk about another uh, asylum. Oh. This one's a little closer, though. We're going to talk about the... Athens Asylum for the Insane here in Athens, Ohio. So, a little bit of history. Today, this complex uh, called The Ridges is part of Ohio University, but these historic buildings once housed the Athens Lunatic Asylum. Not only are these buildings steeped in history, but some are also said to still host visitors from the past. The historic hospital got its start in 1867 when the Ohio legislature appointed a commission to find a site for an asylum in southern, southeastern Ohio. A suitable site was found in Athens, and Levi T. Schofield was chosen as the architect. The buildings and grounds designs were influenced by Dr. Thomas Story Kirkbride. It's a name I've mentioned before in the Trans-Allegheny mm. uh, episode. Uh, a 19th century physician who authored a book on mental hospital design. His designs were often recognizable for their bat wing, floor plans, and lavish Victorian architecture. Do you know why I'm laughing at bat wing? No. Okay. Have you ever seen the movie Waiting? No. People with testicles. Uh-huh take them, can take them, and stretch them out in a manner visually looking like bat wings and call them bat wings. Oh dear. And so anytime I see or hear that word, that movie is the first thing I think of because it's a restaurant movie where it's all about the shenanigans of, you know, the crew that works at the restaurant. And that's one of the things that they do is they try and make their genitalia look like certain things. Wait, that's the one where they work at Shenanigans and... Is it literally called Shenanigans? I thought so, because wasn't it like Ryan Reynolds was in it? Yeah, I just never knew the name of the movie. Okay, well, it's waiting. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know they actually worked it. I didn't know it was called Shenanigans. But anyway, that's that's why the gable. Because I'm immature, basically. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um... The original design included an administration building with two wings, one that would house the males and the other for the females, because as we know, non-binary was not given a second fucking thought back in those days. Yeah. Uh, the building itself was 853 long, 53, 53 feet 
long, 60 feet wide, and built with red bricks fired from clay dug on site. Built onto the back were a laundry room and boiler house. Seven cottages were also constructed to house even more patients. There was room to house 572 patients in the main building, almost double uh, what Kirkbride had recommended, leading to overcrowding and conflicts between the patients. The administrative section, located between the two resident wings, included an entrance hall, offices, a reception room on the first floor, the superintendent's residence on the second floor, and quarters for other officers and physicians on the third and fourth floors. A large high ceiling amusement hall filled the second and third floors, and a chapel was included on the fourth floor. Behind and beneath the building's public and private spaces were the heating and mechanical systems, kitchens, cellars, storerooms, and workspaces. The site, which was first comprised of 141 acres, would eventually grow to 1,019 acres, including cultivated, wooded, and pasture land. The grounds were designed by Herman Herlin of Cincinnati and would incorporate landscaped hills and trees, decorative lakes, a spring, and a creek with a waterfall. Not only would the patients enjoy the beautiful landscape, but citizens also enjoyed the extensive grounds. Though the facility would never be fully self-sustaining, over the years the grounds would include livestock, farm fields and gardens, an orchard, greenhouses, a dairy, a receiving hospital, a tubercular ward, a physical plant to generate steam heat, and even a carriage shop in the earlier years. The hospital, first called the Athens Lunatic Asylum, officially began operations on January 9, 1874. Within two years, it was renamed the Athens Hospital for the Insane. Over the years, its name would be changed many times to the Athens State Hospital, the Southeastern Ohio Medical, Medical Mental Health Center, the Athens Mental Health Center, and a couple more. That seems like a waste of time to say. During its operation, the hospital provided services to a variety of patients, including Civil War veterans, children, the elderly, the homeless, rebellious teenagers being taught a lesson by their parents, noise, and violent criminals suffering from various mental and physical disabilities. With diagnosis ranging from the slightest distress to severely mentally ill, these patients were provided various forms of care, many of which have been discredited today. Shocker. The asylum was best known for its practice of lobotomy, but it was also known to have practiced hydrotherapy, electroshock, restraint, and psychotropic drugs. Oh. Uh, many of which have been found to be harmful today. Again, shocker. Nice. More interesting are the causes listed for admission, including epilepsy, menopause, alcohol addiction, and tuberculosis. General ill health also accounted for many admissions, which included in the first three years of Operation 39 Men and 44 Women. For the female patients hospitalized during these first three years of the asylum's operation, the three leading causes of insanity are recorded as, I don't actually know how to say this word. It's P-U-E-R-P-E-R-A-L. Purpural condition. Okay. Relating to childbirth. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, change of life, quote-unquote, and menstrual derangements. Oh, so you mean like all female things. Correct. 
Cool, 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 cool. Yep. According to an 1876 report, the leading cause of insanity among male patients was masturbation. The second most common cause of insanity was listed as intemperance or alcohol. Depending upon their condition, a patient's treatment could range from full care to amazing freedom. Literally what it says. Oh, Oh, sorry, you're masturbating? See yourself out. I do the same thing. Amazing freedom. Yeah. Over the years, numerous buildings were added, including a farm office, a new amusement hall, additional wards and residences, a laundry building, power plant, garages, stables, mechanics, shops, a firehouse, therapy rooms, and dozens of others. By the 1950s, the hospital was using 78 buildings and treating 1,800 patients. In the 1960s, the total square footage of the facility was recorded at 660,888 square feet. At this time, its population peaked at nearly 2,000 patients, over three times its capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. However, the number of patients would begin to decline for the next several decades as deinstitutionalization fucking got that accelerated. <laughs> As the number of people at the asylum declined, the buildings and wards were abandoned one by one. So imagine, that's like one of my worst fucking fears. Literally watching stuff become abandoned. <laughs> it's still on the property, you still get to see it. I would get super fucking creeped out. Um, comprised of three graveyards, burials began soon after the institution's opening, as there were deceased patients who were unclaimed by their families. Until 1943, the burials were headed only by stones with numbers with the names of the dead known only in recorded ledgers. Only one register exists today, which contains the names of 1,700 of the over 2,000 burials. In 1972, the last patients were buried in the asylum cemetery. Today, the cemeteries continue to be maintained by the Ohio Department of Mental Health. In 1977, Athens Asylum made news when it housed when it housed multiple personality rapist Billy Minigan, Milligan, not Mil- Minigan. In the highly publicized court case, Milligan was found to have committed several felonies, including armed robbery, kidnapping, and three rapes on the Ohio State University campus. Fun fact: There's a documentary about him on Netflix right now. Oh, so. If you want to check that out, I think it's called like the the many personalities of Billy Milligan. Timely. Yeah. In preparing his defense, psychologist diagnosed Milligan with multiple personality disorder, from which the doctors said he had suffered from early childhood. He was the first person diagnosed with multiple personality disorder to raise such a defense, and the first acquitted of a major crime for this reason. Spoiler alert. Milligan was then sent to a series of state-run mental hospitals, including Athens. While at these hospitals, Milligan reported having 10 different personalities. Later, 14 more personalities were said to have been discovered. After a decade, Milligan was discharged. He died of cancer at a nursing home in Columbus, Ohio on December 12, 2014, at age 59. The next year, the hospital made the news again when a patient named Margaret Schilling disappeared on December 1, 1978. It wasn't until January 12, 1979, 42 days later, that her body was discovered by a maintenance worker in a locked, long-abandoned ward 
once used for patients with infectious illnesses. Oh. Though tests showed that she died of heart failure, she was found completely naked with her clothing neatly folded next to her body. Huh. More interesting is the permanent stain that her body left behind. Uh, clearly, an imprint of her hair and body can still be seen on the floor, even though numerous attempts have been made to remove it. That's weird. Yeah. By 1981, the hospital housed fewer than 300 patients, numerous buildings stood abandoned, and over 300 acres were transferred to Ohio University. In 1988, the facilities and grounds, excluding the cemeteries, were deeded from the Department of Mental Health to Ohio University. The Athens Center officially closed in 1993, and the remaining patients transferred to another facility. The property stood vacant for several years before restoration began. The name of the property was changed to the Ridges, and in 2001, renovation work was completed on the main building known as Lynn Hall. Today, it houses music, geology, biotechnology offices, storage facilities, and the Kennedy Museum of Art. Over the years, other hospital buildings were modeled and used by the university, although many others still sit abandoned. Now, on to some of the good parts. I know that was a lot of history. Thanks for uh, bearing with me. No, you're fine. I was uh, sort of laughing at me going, oh my god, because I could see your neighbor behind you walking. Oh, yeah. And I was like, what's that? Startled you. Hello? Who is that? Who (laughs) that? So, it comes as no surprise that the buildings of this historic asylum are allegedly haunted. One of the most famous ghosts is that of Margaret Schilling, who left her body print. I like how it says who left her body print, like she chose. Yeah, she had a choice in the matter. Yeah, who left her body print upon the hospital floor. Her spirit is said to have appeared staring down from the window of the room where her body was found. Nope. Has been seen attempting to escape and has been known to wander various parts of the building at night. And, according to some, she is not alone. Other former patients are also said to remain in residence, with reports from visitors seeing strange figures standing in the empty wings of the former hospital, hearing disembodied voices and squeaking gurneys. That would fucking send me. Yeah. Uh, Seeing strange lights and hearing screams echoing through the halls. Nope. More frightening, there are rumors of spirits of patients who remain shackled in the basement. These many spirits are thought to be those who died or suffered at the hands of staff in the asylum. The cemetery is also said to be haunted by shadowy people and strange lights. In one area, the graves' linear shapes form a circle, which is said to be a witch's meeting point. (laughs) Um, Tours of the outside grounds of the old asylum are held on the third Sunday of each month. And that is what I have for you. Nice. And that this um, article was just updated in April of this year, so. Okay. Good chance. Um, tours are still happening, and I would totally be down for that. Um, I don't know if it like the University of Athens or Athens Athens University. I'm not sure how it is, but um, I believe that is also supposed to be haunted. Okay. I think Athens, I mean, I know Ohio is... is Haunted AF. Haunted AF. But I think Athens is a particular, like, you know, spot to go that that has 
a lot of paranormal activity that's gone on there. So a trip to Athens would be Man. fucking sweet to check that out. I guess it doesn't say anything about if you can go into the buildings themselves. I'm assuming not, because obviously there are other things now. Yeah. And then whatever else is abandoned, and I'm sure it's not safe to go in. But at least you get to tour the cemetery. Yeah. So that is what I have for you. Nice. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Do we have this or that this week? Yes. Okay. Ready? Let's play. All right. So would you rather be trapped in a spider web no. or be cursed by a witch? Trapped in a spider web for how long? Choose your own adventure. I don't know. I'd rather be trapped in the spider web. I hate spiders. They scare me. Mm-hmm. But, like, I know how to get a spider off of me. <laughs> I can kill it. Yeah. Uh, curses are much more diabolical. Which would you rather? I would rather deal with the spider, even though I am a witch myself. Just, if somebody's gunning for you, man, sometimes yeah. it can be difficult to undo some things. And unless you have protectors in place um, to kind of get rid of some of the, you know, undeserved mm-hmm. things, uh, that can be difficult. Uh, so I would rather just avoid the fuss and deal with the web. Agree. Alright, so would you rather watch Halloween movies or tell ghost stories? Watch Halloween movies. I think it's hard to find a good storyteller. Yeah. And to me, no matter the kind of story, it's a good storyteller is everything. Right. I would rather tell the ghost stories. I like to be creative and to weave stories when I can. Um, I feel like here is more facts presenting. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I like the creative outlet that stories can be. Charlie No Face. Yes. Alright, and our last one, would you rather make your own costume or buy the costume? Oh, buy it, for sure. Look, I'm a hefty bitch, okay? And I don't have a lot of patience either. So if I go through the time and the effort of making something and it doesn't work out right, it's getting thrown in the trash and I'm never going to try it again. (laughs) I'd rather just buy the motherfucker (laughs) and and know that at least there's a greater chance of it fitting me than if I attempt to do it myself. (laughs) I feel like I already know what your answer is. Yes, mine is make the costume. Yes. If I had more money, I would be into cosplay. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, that that would be that's the barring thing. If I had more money, I would totally be into cosplay. Um, I would put far more effort into learning actually how to make my own goddamn clothes um, because I'm very good at the accessories bit. Um, but you tell me to make a skirt, must measure seven times, will still cut wrong. Ugh. So. If I were to do it in a, in a more um, serious capacity, I would learn from my friends who uh, are able to do this with ease mm-hmm. 
while I am not. But, yeah, I enjoy making costumes. I think the last one that I made for the boys, um, Emmett brought out his, I made him a little ghost. And I did kind of like the no-sew blanket, you know, the ones that have the ties on the end. So I did that. It was all white. And I put, like, a pumpkin-y face on the front of it in black. Um, so it was a little spooky looking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I made Nolan a Shovel Knight costume. That I remember. Yes. Didn't you do... Did you do, like, a Valkyrie or something? I started doing a Valkyrie, and I needed something, like, a base with more rigidity. Um, so if I would have done, like, a foam, um, it would have gone a lot better. Um, but I was doing a Valkyrie shirt, or Valkyrie vest, um, with plastic spoons for, like, the, um, the plates. Mm-hmm. And because the material I chose was much more flimsy, it didn't end up working out. So, yes, I did, but it didn't end up working out. Gotcha. So I remember you, remember seeing that at some point, you know, when you, while you were working on it. Yeah. And then I just realized in talking about this that I never really saw, like, what the final result was, if it worked or, you know, whatever. Yeah, it didn't end up working. You know, I was using materials that I had on hand and it didn't end up working out unfortunately. I still have to figure out what I'm going to be this year. I haven't put any thought into that. I've put some thought into what I'm going to be but I'm not I'm I'm still just not entirely sure. I thought about uh, Persephone from Lore Olympus. Um, It would be Queen Persephone though. Her look as like Queen is pretty badass. So, I don't know. We'll see. Okay. But it's just a lot of body paint. And that would be the bitch, because she's all pink. No, thanks. I'm out. I don't, I don't know. No. I just cleaned my shower. <laughs> a little pink droplets everywhere. Yeah. Or whatever. Oh, well, I was... I know for a fact I'm not going to do this one now, so I'm going to tell you what I was thinking about. I was considering because of what my dress looks like and like just with ease of like you know I already have this thing that I'm probably not going to wear it ever again um and you know just try and make it work be resourceful I was like I could totally be Fiona from Shrek oh yeah I just need to get a wig mm-hmm. and if I so choose to be you know a little more effort a little tiara obviously I need some green face paint and I was like I can't be bothered to be honest with you what if it stains me? What if I'm green for a while? So then it I decided to get... being green. Correct. <laughs> well, anyway, all right. So, sorry, guys. No Monstrous Media for you this week. Well, um, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Baking with Booze. You can send in your stories and your recipes to baking underscore with underscore booze at yahoo.com. Other than that, we hope you enjoyed the episode. You have a fantastic week ahead, and we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.